joining us tonight. Uh, this is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And we've been doing a, a series of messages called The King Has Come. The King Has Come. And we've been talking about how the Gospels in the New Testament um, are, are clear that Jesus did not just come as a teacher. He didn't just come as a religious Messiah. He didn't even just come as a Savior but he also came as a king. He was a very different kind of king. He is a very different kind of king. Yes, he died and rose again to, to, to save us and rescue us from the power of sin and death. But he also came to reign and rule over a new kind of kingdom. A new nation, if you will where people of every language and ethnicity can call home. This new nation, this new kingdom, the Bible says will bring a culture of, of hope and peace and joy and love, those things that we've celebrated over the, over the Advent season. But also we anticipate the return of this king, when his kingdom will come in all its fullness, hatred and war will be eradicated. Injustice will be done away with. And a new era will begin. Tonight's episode, if you will, is entitled, God and Sinners Reconciled. All of our weekly titles in this series have been, have been stolen from Christmas carol lines. And the idea that, that Jesus is a king, not just a savior, but is a king, is not something that, that, that I made up. But in fact, it's so present in the Gospels that virtually all of our Christmas carols have this theme in them that Jesus is king and tonight's is no exception. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all you nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies with the angelic hosts proclaim. Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Wow. Tonight, we're going to dive into another strange Advent scripture. And it's one that you're probably, no matter what your level of familiarity with, is with the, with the scriptures, you probably got this one, John 3.16. We don't often think of it as an Advent or Christmas passage, but it speaks of the coming of our Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So we find 
from this scripture that love was the motivation for God sending Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave. Love was the why. God so loved. He he didn't love the world in some idealistic sense. He didn't love the world as it should be. He didn't love people as they ought to be. But he loved the real world and real people as they are. Lost, broken, and messy. But how could he? How dare he? Wouldn't God's love be tainted by what has tainted us? Scripture says, but God demonstrates his own love in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's an amazing truth, but a shocking truth. Tonight I want to suggest, secondly, that God's love is scandalous. Much of the story of the birth of Jesus in the Gospels is scandalous. The people around Mary were scandalized by her pregnancy. The fact that that in that culture and in that day, she she was pregnant and not married. Why did God do it that way? I think maybe at least one reason was because he was turning the religious and political systems on their heads by the birth of his son. And he wanted to show everyone how his ways and his love are so much different than they thought. The king was born into abject Poverty, scandalous. Joseph and Mary didn't even have a a safe place for this this king to be born. He was born in in a stable, in a barn. And a few days later, when it was customary for a lamb to be sacrificed at the birth of a newborn, of a firstborn son, At the temple, they didn't have the money to even buy a lamb to sacrifice. And so they sacrificed two doves, the poor man's sacrifice. The heavenly heralds, the the angels, made their announcement not not to the Jerusalem media, not to Herod's court, not to the Sanhedrin and the leaders of the Jewish, Jewish religious system, but to poor, smelly shepherds sitting by a campfire at night. And almost every time, as Jesus grew up and lived through his life and did his ministry, almost every time that Jesus acted in love in the Gospels by healing By defending someone, he scandalized the people watching. That's because for Jesus, his priority was God's 
love expressed to people. And the priority of the religious leaders watching on was their rules being followed. Thirdly tonight, I want to suggest to you that God's love is transformational. Jesus' goal was not just to breeze into this world, love a few people while he was here, die, rise again, and then leave us the way he found us. You know, the, the Peter, you know that guy Peter, always getting in trouble in the Gospels? The Peter that we read about in the book of Acts, written by a guy named Luke, is not the same Peter that we find in the Gospel written by Luke. Peter had, had encountered the love of God in Christ, and it had absolutely changed his life forever. Jesus' plan was to establish a new community of transformed humans who would love like he loves, and that love would change the culture of planet Earth by infusing the culture with the kingdom culture of heaven. That's why the only commands that Jesus gives us in the Gospels is to love. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And love your brothers and sisters in the family of God like Jesus loves. You know, some of our favorite Christmas stories and Christmas movies are stories of the transformation of a human heart by love, right? I mean, we think right away of Ebenezer Scrooge in A Christmas Carol and, and how love, an encounter with love, transformed his heart, right? Or, of course, the Grinch, right? You're a mean one, right? His heart grew three sizes, didn't it? Or even one of our favorites, the, the father Michael in the movie Elf, right? Has a transformation of love throughout that movie and, and goes from being a cranky, business-minded guy to, to someone who loves, truly loves. The love that we talk about at Christmas is not just romantic sentiment, Hallmark movies aside. But it's about the one, the king, who came to change the world with a real, life-sacrificing, giving kind of love. It was love, it is love, that has caused the Christian movement over the centuries to start public education so that children of every social class could be educated. It's love that, that inspired the church, the, the, the followers of Jesus to establish hospitals so that health care could be provided to everyone. It's love that inspired followers of Jesus to drill wells in India or start AIDS orphanages in Africa. 
Do we as followers of Jesus always get it right? No. (laughs) Sometimes we get it tragically, terribly, painfully wrong. But the reason Jesus is the most celebrated and loved person who has ever lived, the most influential name in history, is because his love has changed everything. And most importantly, those who believe in him, as the scripture, John 3.16 that we read, those who believe in him and receive him as Savior and King will not perish, but will have eternal life. The love of God came to rescue humans from perishing, from destruction. That's not what God wants from us. He doesn't want humanity to perish. And so he sent his son. Jesus came that God and sinners be reconciled. That that sin that has separated us from God, that it would be removed. That the red in our ledger would be erased and that we would be reconnected with the creator who loves us. Let's pray. God, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your love that was manifest, that, that, that became something tangible in this world in Christ. That, that God, you came in the person of Jesus, born on that Christmas night. You grew up and you lived among us. God in flesh. Showing us what love looks like. Showing us what God looks like. And you loved us all the way to the cross. Dying in our place. Taking our sin upon yourself. That if we put our faith and our confidence in you, if we believe in you, King Jesus, that we can be rescued and changed and transformed by your love. So God, I pray that every person in this room, every person watching on live stream tonight, over this Christmas season would have an encounter not with sentimental love, but with the love of God in their lives. And that we would be changed to the core. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us tonight, folks? I'm going to ask you to find that, that little battery candle that you were given as you came in. It's time to turn it on. We're going to sing this last carol together, Silent Night.
wish you a very Merry Christmas and a uh, blessing on your family. Hope you have a great time to, uh, some time to rest, some time to enjoy the season. We're going to just uh, finish off with, we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New One more time. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy